0: Time now for History Matters. We are joined in the studio by historian extraordinaire Scott Washington to take a look back at this week in history. Good morning.
1: You know, I had to laugh at the setup for uh, the promos on this because you were talking about uh, the Lumina Theater, right? And uh, go to see the Barbie movie or Oppenheimer and. They were released on the same day, so some people are doing the Barbie Heimer. Barbenheimer, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sure those would sit well on the palate, but...
0: (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I saw, like, I've not seen Oppenheimer yet, uh, but we did see Barbie this past weekend, and it's funny, it's light, it's breezy, but it's also got a lot... To say, and like more than just like the superficial stuff that you hear the right-wingers complaining about, like underneath the surface, there's a lot going on with this movie. So I can imagine like a double feature being... Well,
1: creativity and history as the intersection of unusual things Colliding, uh, yeah, like that exactly. And, uh, none is better than.
0: I also, I also do like just before before okay. we get to actual yes. history. Like when I was <laughs> uh, at Rutgers, I taught a class in, in comparative literature. Uh, I taught intro to short fiction. How I got to teach this class is a weird story, but at the end of the semester, Seems
1: perfectly logical.
0: At the end of the semester, I told the students, uh, "Okay, so." you know, you've taken a comp lit class, you should be able to compare literature, so I put all of the authors in uh, names in two different hats, and had them like draw two names out, and it's like, alright, you're gonna write about this author and that author, wow. then there's a third hat with a bunch of topics in it, like love, war, democracy, etc., like pull that topic out, so compare oh, this author and this author on this <laughs> issue, <laughs> and we got some really, really cool papers, because it's yeah. so much fun to take two like completely disparate things, like Barbie and Oppenheimer yeah, for exactly. instance, watch them side by side, and be right. like, okay, what is the one tell me about the other because oh, you I can get it. so many cool insights that way. Well,
1: I think that's what that history is like that too because you, you find these unusual connections. Like one I never would have thought of uh, happens this week, a fellow named uh, Nicolas Jacques Conte, born in 1755. And um, he gets into the early uh, uh, stages of ballooning and Napoleon comes along and... Uh, England says, okay, one of the things you're not going to get from us is what was discovered back in 1564 in a place uh, called Borrowdale, England, uh, after a lightning strike, and it was a supply of graphite. Well, nobody knew quite what to do with it at first, but they found, good, this is... Good for waterproofing. And oh, by the way, look, you can mark on sheep <laughs> with it. So it began to be used, graphite. Um, but then uh, Napoleon is waging war all over the place. England says, no, you're not getting any more of our graphite. What to do? So Napoleon turns to this young fellow who's about 40 uh, and says, you come up with something. And so he says, well, look, what do we have? We have a lot of <laughs> this graphite lying, it's broken in pieces. And he finds that if he mixes the graphite with clay, puts it between uh, two uh, wooden pieces that it forms something that we know as the pencil, pencil. which is really interesting. Now, you know, when we think <laughs> of the yellow color that comes up, uh, and we've talked about the Eiffel Tower. Well, uh-huh. at the Paris Exposition uh, in 1896, uh, of course, the Eiffel Tower is on display and. But a Czech company has this new pencil that's painted yellow. And the reason why is because at this point, graphite has been running out in England, so they've turned to Siberia. And it turns out that China also has uh, a connection with graphite, and yellow was the connection with royalty. So they paint theirs. This is the royal pencil. And that color becomes the predominant reason why pencils become yellow. Now, here is the other thing talking about interesting things. Henry David Thoreau, before we know him at Walden in, on civil disobedience, he's working in his uh, parents, uh, his father's pencil factory. Right. And he has to say, what are the different uh, hardness of lead? And the rest of the world is using al- alphabet, uh, uh, but he decides to number them. So <laughs> the next time you're using a number two pencil. Wait, Thoreau think, did that? Yes. All right. He's the guy who came with, which was medium thickness. Anywhere else in the world, it would be HB, but uh, here in America, it's a number two, thanks to Henry David Thoreau, <laughs> one of the things we don't normally think of. And of course, that yellow color is picked up in the 1930s when they're trying to come up with what's a color for school buses, and they find that, oh, that yellow is really good. Of course, we associate yellow <laughs> school buses and that same yellow color. From interesting. Isn't this interesting?
0: <laughs> I like how it goes from like royalty to education, yes. right? Like yes. Elementary exactly. schools in particular. Yellow oh. pencils, yellow school buses. Oh, absolutely. Buses.
1: Well, this idea, this yellow color from China, was associated with happiness, uh, glory, and wisdom. So it was seen as something that was profoundly good qualities that you wanted to associate with a
0: pencil. Hence the <laughs> hence the name of the Yellow River too, yes. right? I well, assume. Well, yeah. probably that's right. Yeah.
1: Exactly. So anyway, so uh, that's a way off course, but it just shows you how that's this, history. It is history. <laughs>
0: that's exactly right. The nice thing about this segment is that nothing is way off course <laughs> as long as it happened <laughs> that's earlier. That's right. It's in the wheelhouse. Thirty years from now, they'll be
1: talking about the when those movies debuted, and what were they talking about then? I mean, okay. those
0: movies debuted a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. It's history now it's
1: history. like that counts <laughs> we can, yes. yesterday is history we can yesterday right. is history all right here's uh, a name that uh, we may not know as much about uh, Maggie Kuhn. Maggie Kuhn was born in 1905 um, she has a proclivity for faith and values works for the presbyterian church Um, And we would never have heard about her except that she's in doing social justice. And when she reaches 65, there was a mandatory retirement in 1970. And she said, oh, that is so unfair. And she begins to crusade for the rights of uh, people who are 65 and older. And actually, it's Johnny Carson who hears about her efforts and says, well, just offhandedly, well, you remind me of like the Black Panthers, except you're like Gray, the Gray Panthers, and that name sticks. And she begins to develop these really interesting coalitions of not just senior citizens uh, that we would call today but also young people. And said anytime when people are segregated because of age and underutilized, she said, that's not right. We should form alliances. Now, that's one of those names that I just think is is a great name that we should all know (laughs) in our lexicon. Okay, another one that comes up this week is not really um, a birthday uh, per se, uh, but it's a woman uh, who in, on, uh, uh, let's see, August 1st, 1952. We would never have heard about her except for what happens. She's uh, in the army. She's that's that's
0: usually true of most people.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, that that's true. Thank you. That that's a very and I'm sure everybody else is saying you know that's easy. I of course that is that is in fact correct. (laughs) Um, Sarah Louise Key. She's African American. She's Private First Class. She's has her first pass back. uh, 22 years old going uh, back uh, from Fort Dix to her family's home in North Carolina. And she thought she had a uh, a one-way ticket to get to the place, but instead it stops. And when it stops uh, to change drivers, um, the new driver said, oh, well, you're going to have to change your seat. And she's looking at, her, she has a uniform. This is for a white marine mm-hmm. man. And she says, no. And so she gets arrested for disorderly conduct and she gets charged. Well. She goes on and um, finds a a lawyer she's recommended uh, in Washington, D.C. That case uh, becomes and they decide how they're going to do this. And the lawyer she chooses actually herself had been in the army, had had the same experience. But they don't take it to a judge. They take it to the Interstate Commerce Commission, which rules in 1955 that said segregation on buses is illegal. And that has momentous implications months after this, within months. Um, that's when we have, uh, of course, the sit-ins happening in Montgomery and uh, it, it, it spirals from there.
0: Uh, speaking with Scott Washington, History Matters, uh, we got time for one more. What do we got?
1: Okay. Well, here's another one where we talk about the origins of things from pencils to everything else. And it's um, in the early uh, 20th century, cars are being developed. Yay, wonderful, except there are still horses on the road. Okay, well, what do we do about horses? Uh, Oh, what do we do about these roads? And so you start to begin to develop standardization. And on August 5th, uh, 1914, is when the first traffic light is installed in Cleveland, Ohio. uh, And it's operated manually from a booth. Uh, but that uh, becomes uh, why we have traffic lights today. All stem from like, what do we do with the traffic, and how do we do it in an orderly way. They only had, they didn't have yellow. They had just green and red. So uh, uh, it's, it's not. Nice People to taking know. a look
0: at the pencils and the school buses and getting a bright idea.
1: <laughs> yes, James Huge was the uh, uh, the fellow who came up with that idea, and he would patent it, and uh, and we are in his debt ever since. But these are are the kind of people that, from these interesting things that happen that nobody expects, then other things happen. That's why I always have great faith that no matter what the problems are, the creativity and ingenuity of uh, people and people listening will say, oh, you know, I can solve that problem.
0: And that's how history matters. Scott Washington, thank you so much. Thank you, Aaron.